Hi, I'm Gowrie, writer and naturopath, and you're listening to Escaping Creative Burnout, the podcast where I share holistic information and strategies to help you regain the energy you need to pursue your creative calling. And today, we're going to continue our discussion of how stress leads to creative burnout. Specifically, we're going to talk about chronic stress and go through 10 common factors that create chronic stress and predispose creatives to burnout. So last episode, we talked about the science behind stress. So if you haven't already listened to that one, I highly recommend doing so first because we're going to build on some of those concepts here. Before we get into it, though, as always, I encourage you to be really gentle with yourself as you listen to this and to take this episode at your own pace. As we contemplate the role of chronic stress in burnout, some uncomfortable feelings may surface, especially as you reflect on sources of chronic stress in your life. As I mentioned last episode, Our culture often really unfairly interprets being easily stressed as evidence of weakness. I want to assure you that if you're easily stressed or anxious, you are not weak. How prone to stress you are has absolutely nothing to do with your character or your worth as a person. It's actually determined by your genetics and your life experiences, especially trauma and especially childhood trauma. So chances are, if you're quick to stress, it's because you've been through some really tough stuff or you're currently going through something really tough or both. And that means that you deserve compassion and support, especially from yourself. So let's take a deep breath and let it out. Ask yourself, What would make you feel safe and held while you listen to this? Go outside if that would ground you. Get yourself a blanket, hang out with your fur baby, or grab a cup of tea. Actually, I'm going to pause the recording here and get myself a cup of tea. Okay, I'm back. (sighs) I have some lemon balm tea. It's in a bit of a fancy cup, which also has a saucer, which makes it extra fancy. And I'm feeling much more held now. And by the way, lemon balm, which is also called Melissa, is used in traditional Western herbal medicine to soothe the nervous system, which has lovely flow on effects for the gut. And for myself as a highly sensitive person with ongoing gut issues, I find lemon balm tea to be one of my best herbal friends. It also has this really nice mild lemony taste, which I really enjoy. So if you haven't tried it before and you're at a health food shop and you see some loose leaf lemon balm tea, I highly recommend giving it a go. It's also pretty easy to grow at home. I'm a black thumb and I have some lemon balm growing in my garden. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) Okay, so last episode we spoke about the acute stress response, that is what the body does to try and defend you from anything it perceives as a threat. That could be a hungry lion if you're a hunter-gatherer, or it could be a session of doom scrolling if you're a modern human. 
What I didn't mention so much last episode is that acute stress can sometimes be very helpful, even if you're not in any real danger. For example, when I was studying at uni, I sometimes totally intentionally left assignments to the absolute last minute, knowing that my body would perceive the deadline as a threat and my acute stress response would kick in. My nervous system would then flood me with adrenaline and cortisol, giving me a ton of energy and allowing me to focus intently on addressing the threat by doing the assignment to the exclusion of everything else. So procrastination would just disappear in a moment. I'm not saying at all that this is the best way to do an assignment. In fact, I tended to do way better on assignments when I worked on them consistently over a long period of time, but it is one great example of how acute stress can be helpful. A key part of the acute stress response that cannot be understated is the recovery afterwards. Your nervous system needs time to rebalance itself to dial down the sympathetic nervous system and dial up the parasympathetic nervous system so your rest and digest functions can come back online and your body can go back to normal. So after I handed in the assignment I'd spent 12, 14 hours working on, I took the evening and even the next day if I could afford to, to rest and relax and engage in things that made me happy which allowed time for my body's parasympathetic nervous system to do its work and for my body to return to its normal, relatively relaxed state. But what if you can't rest and recover? What if your stresses are ongoing and unrelenting? Or what if you don't have time to rest or your beliefs around rest prevent you from taking the time necessary to recover? What if you don't really know how to rest? Then, my friend, you are experiencing chronic stress. Chronic stress is acute stress that has overstayed its welcome. It's acute stress without the recovery. While, as we explored last episode, the aim of stress is to keep you safe from threats, chronic stress unfortunately does far more harm than good. Our bodies weren't really meant to live in a state of chronic stress, We weren't meant to be flooded with adrenaline and cortisol all the time. Having a constantly activated sympathetic nervous system actually burns through our energy and suppressing the parasympathetic nervous system keeps our bodies from repairing and recovering the way that they need to. And over time, chronic stress depletes us of our energy and the symptoms of burnout start to appear. I go into burnout symptoms in detail in the first episode of this podcast, which is called How Do You Know If You're Burnt Out? So check that one out if you haven't already. But in a nutshell, the initial symptoms are often emotional and they look quite a bit like depression. Key features include cynicism, apathy, hopelessness, a lack of motivation. Physical exhaustion closely follows the emotional symptoms. And you might also find that you get health issues. Frequent colds and flus, gut issues, headaches, all fairly common. If burnout is left unchecked, the body stops being able to function and it starts to break down. And that's how some burnt out people end up hospitalized or 
forced to stop all of their usual activities for long periods of time. If you're at that point of breakdown, I am so sorry. I wish I could give you a big hug if you like hugs. It's a really difficult situation to be in and I hope that you're getting all of the rest and support that you need and I hope that my words can be a small source of support too. Okay, at this point I think it's helpful to consider some of the factors that make burnout more likely. You'll notice that they're all sources of chronic stress. Keep in mind that this is absolutely not an exhaustive list and what causes chronic stress and burnout for each person is going to be unique. I also want to note before we get into this that the purpose of sharing these factors with you is absolutely not to make you feel bad about how many sources of chronic stress there are in your life. Rather, it's to help you identify and acknowledge where your stress is coming from because that's an important part of burnout recovery. I don't know about you, but I'm really great at being in denial. <laughs> in 2016, the year that burnt me out, when I was working 12 to 14 hours on my business most days, I swore that everything was fine and that my stress wasn't a problem. And this is despite being a healthcare professional and knowing the effects and the symptoms of chronic stress and burnout. I think what confused me is the fact that I really enjoyed working on my business. And like the uni assignment example I gave, the acute stress gave me energy and focus, which felt really great in the short term. I think the whole, if you have a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life thing is so not true. Work is work, even if you enjoy it, and you still need to take time to rest. My mistake that year was never resting. I was always thinking about my business, even when I was supposed to be having downtime. My sleep was no longer restorative because I never took the time to wind down, and my weekends were non-existent. I was in complete denial that I was running myself ragged. And even after I ended up having to close my business in 2017, I told myself it was because it turned out that being a naturopath wasn't what I really wanted, when in hindsight, the real reason was because I'd become cynical and apathetic about the whole thing, both of which are key symptoms of burnout. So one of my hopes in talking about the factors that predispose people to burnout is that it'll help anyone who, like me, needed a little nudge to start considering their level of chronic stress. The other reason I want to share these common risk factors for burnout is that it can be so empowering to realize that your low motivation or your avoidance of your creative work is not laziness. It took me several years after recovering from burnout to find the energy for my creative practice again. And I was so frustrated with myself that whole time. Why was I being so lazy? Why, if I said I wanted to be a writer, did I never write hardly? The thing is, even though the key factor that led to my burnout, which was my naturopathic practice, was no longer in play, there were other factors that needed to be addressed that I didn't recognize at the time. Specifically, 
I realized how many stories I'd swallowed about my worth as a person being proportional to my productivity and the quality of my work, both in the muggle world and in my creative practice. I'd also internalized the idea that rest was something we earn by grinding, not a fundamental human right. Identifying these hustle culture myths in myself was incredibly empowering because it helped me to realize that my inability to create was not my fault. I didn't choose to believe those harmful stories. Society had taught me those things from a young age and it was not my fault that I'd learned them. Once I realized that and got angry about it, I was able to start rejecting those ideas to the point where I can confidently say now that my productivity is one of the least important things about me. Okay, with all of that said, I'll just say this one last thing before we dive in. I find that adopting an attitude of curiosity really helps to avoid emotional overwhelm when you're reflecting on potentially difficult aspects of your life. It may be useful to think of yourself as an investigator, trying to find out as much as you can about the sources of chronic stress in your life. So here we go. 10 things that predispose people to burnout in no particular order, although the first one is number one for a reason and it'll become clear in a second. And by the way, I am going to put all of these into a handout for you, so I'll link that in the show notes. So number one, working in the helping professions, especially with distressed or traumatized people. If this describes your muggle job, This is a huge contributor to chronic stress and burnout. In fact, the first burnout research was carried out in people in the helping professions. Alternatively, you may be a long-term carer for a loved one, which is also a risk factor for burnout. I would also suggest that if your creative work has you researching the stories of traumatized people, you could be at risk of vicarious trauma, which is the name given to trauma coming from repeated exposure to other people's trauma. Or you could be at risk of secondhand traumatic stress, which is caused by hearing firsthand accounts of trauma from other people. So to those of you whose work centers around other people's trauma or who provide care for other people, what you're doing is so incredibly important and you are so amazing. And you deserve to be fully supported while you do this difficult, important work. So I'm hoping that if you can, find a therapist to support you. And if that resonates, I think that would be a really, really valuable thing. Factor number two, never detaching from your work, whether that's your creative work or your muggle job. This was a huge factor in me burning out while I was working on my business. But in terms of creative work, perhaps you're addicted to checking notifications or comments after you post your creative work on social media, so you never switch off from it. Maybe in juggling your creative work and your muggle job, you're always working and never resting. That's a huge one that I fight all the time. Number three, deriving your identity from your work, whether that's your muggle work or your creative work. 
This is a real hustle culture story, your worth as a person being tied to your output. When I burnt out, my business was my work, my hobby, and my identity. And while work is still a big part of my life, I now derive my identity from multiple aspects of my life, including spirituality, social connections, hobbies, even my relationship with myself. Number four, perfectionism. Huge one for creatives. Expecting yourself or your work to be perfect is a massive drain on your emotional resources and a huge source of stress. If you have a harsh inner critic holding you to impossible standards, it can almost be like having an abuser living inside your own head. It can be incredibly stressful and can absolutely burn you out with time. Five, believing that looking after yourself and your needs is selfish. This is a gigantic block for anyone who's been socialized to take care of everyone and everything before themselves, which is so many of us. Six, having a savior complex. This used to be such a big one for me. I wanted to be the friend that everyone turned to in a crisis and I was for a while and it was fantastic, but I had no boundaries and I gave way too much of myself to the point where I ended up having to cut off my support from a lot of people who'd grown to rely on it. I had to take a step back and reconsider what I could really invest in other people. And it's made me much more effective as a friend and a support. Number seven, a lack of appreciation. In a muggle job scenario, that could be a lack of recognition from managers or co-workers or clients. In your personal life, Perhaps you do a lot for loved ones and you never hear thank you or you never get that care reciprocated. Rejection is an intense form of lack of appreciation that creatives deal with all the time. When the creative work you've put your time and heart and soul into is passed over by gatekeepers, sometimes gatekeepers can be quite mean about it as well, or if your work just doesn't connect with people in the way you hoped, can be devastating. Eight, having unrealistic goals that terrify you. This is another really big one for creatives. As a writer, I spent a long time thinking I needed to write 1,000 words per day, despite anything else I had going on in my life. The outcome of having that goal was that I barely wrote a word. (laughs) The goal was just too scary and it was unachievable for me at the time. It wasn't until I started allowing myself to write just 100 words a day that I built a consistent daily writing practice, which I'd been trying to do for years. I now average around 300 words per day, which means I write over 2,000 words a week, which is way more than I ever wrote when I was trying to force myself to write 1,000 words a day. Nine, not having a community or enough social support. Human beings are social animals. We need connections and relationships to be fully functional and happy. Even introverts who love their own company, like myself, do still need social support and community. This is a huge one for creatives as many creative pursuits are solo. So it's easy to become isolated. That's one of the reasons that one of my goals is to set up a community for burnt out creatives to support each other in recovering our creative practice. 
Last one, lack of control over your time. If you feel you don't have a choice about how you spend your time or you feel like it's really tightly controlled, that's incredibly stressful. Muggle workers are really susceptible to this one since there's typically a manager controlling your time. Whew, okay, that was a whole lot. If you're feeling a little bit tender at the moment, I totally acknowledge you. This can be really difficult stuff to look at. So let's take some time now to do a bit of a self-check-in. For the next few minutes, I'll guide you through a short relaxation, which, if this discussion has caused any stress in your body, will help ease it off a bit. Once we're a little more relaxed, I'll ask you some self-reflection questions to help you contemplate where stress is coming from in your life. The questions will be pretty big, so I'm going to include them on the handout in the show notes for you. I invite you to jot down any insights that come up during this self-reflection period, but also in the time afterwards, in the next couple of days. And I invite you to also take the time to answer the questions in more detail later on. If you can't do the relaxation right now, that is totally fine. Just keep listening so that you can consider the questions. Okay, let's get started. If you're not already sitting down, find a comfortable seat or lie down if that feels better for you. Let your eyes gently close. Or you can focus softly on a point in front of you, whichever you prefer. And let's begin by taking some deep breaths from the diaphragm, making sure your stomach rises and falls with each breath. We're going to take our breaths in through the nose and then blow them out through the mouth as though we're blowing gently on a candle flame, enough to make it flicker, but not to go out. So breathe in. And out. And breathe in. And let it flow out. And breathe in. And let it out. And last one, breathe in. And let it out. Let's check in with your body. Are you aware of any tension anywhere? In your neck, your shoulders, in your jaw? Any tension in your back, your stomach, your legs? Send a gentle message to your muscles that it is safe to let go and allow them to soften. And let's reflect. What did you hear in this podcast that you'd like to remember for later? 
Do you think you take enough time to rest and recover after a period of stress? Why or why not? Are you ready to look at some of the sources of chronic stress in your life that might be contributing to burnout? It is okay if you're not. You are safe. You can take this at your own pace. And lastly, the big question. Which of the 10 things we've discussed in this podcast that predispose people to burnout did you identify with? Your answers to these questions are super, super important because auditing your rest practices and attitudes plus identifying sources of chronic stress is fundamental to recovery from creative burnout. In the next episode... I'll begin talking about the holistic approach to burnout recovery. And I hope that you'll join me for that one. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, so that you get a notification when the next episode is live. It's going to be a really juicy one. So in a moment, I'm going to leave you. You can continue to stay in quiet contemplation. Or you can start to gently move your fingers and toes. And come back into the room. And whenever you're ready, open your eyes. And once you leave this period of contemplation, I highly encourage you to write down any insights that came up during this episode or during the self-reflection. Because all of your thoughts and feelings are worthy of consideration. Go gently and I'll speak to you soon.